1: Free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on. Must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. If, and I know it's a big if, but if the ACC
0: were to implode and Cal and Stanford became available, Would the Pac-2 welcome them back in?
1: You are locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights free, national championship free in the four team era and pack 2 dominated but beloved conference of champions like comment subscribe rate review please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show which today is brought to you by FanDuel make every moment more not less more right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet that's 150 bucks if your team wins visit fanduelcom on to get started by the way this is only going to be locked on pack 12 for the rest of this week your pack 12 questions do not have to stop your pack 2 questions don't have to stop coming into the show because on monday this feed wherever you're listening to or watching this show right here right now same feed same everything you don't have to adjust your dial whatsoever or go find a new show this will be Locked on college football, your daily podcast to stay up to date with the biggest stories in the greatest sport in the world. And if you are wondering, well, what can we ask on the show? What are you going to talk about on the show? If it's college football, the answer is yes. That's it. That's that's the end of the discussion right there. Here's an interesting question. If the ACC, and this is a far-fetched idea, I don't suspect this is going to happen. I also didn't suspect the Pac-12 was going to implode. So I guess crazier things have taken place, given that there is a lawsuit brought by Florida State against the ACC saying it was a dereliction of duty to add Cal and Stanford instead of Oregon State. They weren't as good. They missed the point. They're not as competent. They don't have as much money. The deal is bad. They're not happy. They're not happy unhappy dissatisfied displeased with what is happening in the ACC right now so let's say they're successful let's say they get out let's say other schools fall let's let's just say hypothetically that takes place if you're Oregon State and Washington State who are I think going to move I'll talk about this more on tomorrow's show but I think they're going to move at a snail's pace in deciding what to do next on the realignment front now that they've got a little bit of a treasure chest of money to operate with to try to help themselves rebuild this league and finance deals and everything like that. Would you welcome back Cal and Stanford? Would you welcome back Cal and Stanford to the pack? The answer is yes. And if the ACC were to truly implode, you'd go grab SMU too. You absolutely would. I know I can theorize there are going to be some fans that may feel, no, I don't ever want anything to do again with any of those teams that left. There is a difference between the USC's and UCLA's of the world, the Oregon's and the Washington's of the world, and the Cal's and Stanford's of the world. These are distinct groups. And somewhere in between there, I think on the hierarchy of universities responsible for the PAC 2's current predicament in which they're trying to put together the best Mountain West plus schedule, group of five sort of schedule, you know G5 adjacent, if you will, or G5 plus schedule that they can put together on an annual basis and and ponder building the premier group of five conference in all of college football within the next couple of years. The schools who bear the most responsibility are the ones going to the Big Ten. Those are your top-level culprits. The next wave of schools that left was the Big 12. You can put Colorado in there, but their departure did not tank a league with flagship schools of Oregon, Washington, Utah, and Oregon State from a football standpoint with Arizona on the rise and everything like that. That deal was nuked. By Oregon and Washington they did not feel that it was good enough so they went to the Big Ten the Big 12 then out of desperation or the big now Big 12 teams out of desperation decided to go to the Big 12 because well that was kind of the best available option and the Big 12 wanted them and then Cal and Stanford wiggled their way into the ACC because it was the best option available to them they would have liked the Big Ten I'm sure but that wasn't going to happen so they found their way into the ACC. Those are not universities. Those are not football programs. Those are not fan bases. Those are not brands that you should look at with the same level of disdain or frustration or contempt as you look at USC or UCLA or Oregon or Washington. Those are not in the same category. And if they suddenly became available, you should jump at that opportunity to build up the best conference that you can. Not saying it'd be what it once was, but boy, have a better chance to get there. And when you're in a world where you don't currently have a television deal, you know what we know matters to television executives? Markets. You know what the Bay Area has? Pretty respectable television market. Stanford does a lot more viewership than you would probably think for a team that can barely fill up, that they rarely fill up their own stadium. Their television numbers and the market that they're in It brings inherent value and you cannot afford to turn that away. So I understand. I don't want anything to do with those 10. I think it's more like I don't want anything to do with those eight. Really those four going to the big 10. Those are the ones that said, we don't want you. We're going to leave you behind. Cal and Stanford were sitting there hoping, holding out that the pack would hold on. And it didn't. And they didn't make that decision. I think you'd welcome them back. With open arms. This question came in uh from Deborah, by the way. YouTube comments or Twitter at smalls underscore 55 or at L O underscore pack 12. That handle will change by next week, but uh, stay tuned there. Deborah asked if the pack rebuilds and one day Calford are available, welcome them back in. Yep. Fully 100 percent you would. You you absolutely would. Think about this. Cal is on Oregon State schedule for 2024. Having that game is what makes their schedule stronger than Washington State's by one game. But still, they both have seven Mountain West games and Washington State has got one fewer game against a power conference team. Just the mere presence of Cal, a team that got to a bowl game for the first time since before COVID this past year. Gives the amount of weight you can put to wins on Oregon State's schedule or whatever their record is as they try to you know, have a top 25 caliber team, and we'll talk about a couple of additions that they made uh, later on today's show, just having them there gives you an inherent level of respect that you, just, you don't have to love it. You don't have to like it. You don't even have to necessarily be okay with it. You have to recognize that that opportunity is not readily afforded in the current landscape of college football. It just isn't. It just isn't. It's not one you can afford to let go by the wayside. I'm going to reiterate with my initial point to close on this because this is a hypothetical. I know that Florida State, but worth discussing, 100% worth discussing because the ACC is fighting a lawsuit right now. And if Florida State wins, you best believe other teams are going to get on board. And then the Big 12, I imagine they would pick up the phone and they would call a couple teams out of the ACC and say, do you want to come aboard? And then at that point, Cal and Stanford wouldn't have a home. They'd be looking for a home. And, and, it, and as you ponder, potentially negotiating for this conference, as I've laid out with my real in, realignment vision for a newly built PAC 12, it'd be two years from now, two years to be in the WCC with your non-football sports, two years until the Mountain West media rights contract expires is up for renegotiation. And if you bring over the best teams, Fox and CBS are going to be a lot more interested in your conference than the newly ravaged, I guess, Mountain West. If you brought over Boise State, Fresno State, San Diego State, keep going down the list, Air Force, Colorado State, UNLV, San Jose State, whoever it would be. If you bring over all the biggest brands, all the best teams, yeah, Foxes and CBS are going to have more interest in, in partnering with you than they would with the previous Mountain West, especially if you bring in American teams as well. So that's where I stand on Calford. I absolutely think you'd welcome them back. The benefits far outweigh the negatives because the negatives are really just, it would feel kind of gross. Well, guess what? It's a gross world of college football and realignment right now. As Billy Bean said in Moneyball, adapt or die. That's the way it goes. You know how it goes when you go over to Jace Medical? Here, I'll tell you. I know we come to sports to escape from the crazy realities of real life, but let's talk about some of those realities right now and preparing for real life. According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. Not exactly what you'd call ideal timing. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than needing a particular medication and not being able to get it, but Jace Medical makes that situation much more tenable. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. This stuff could happen to any of us and you want to be prepared. Visit JaceMedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to JaceMedical.com, use offer code LOCK on to get $20 off your order.
1: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary.
0: Bunch of mailbag questions here. Bunch of great ones, too. Keep them coming, even as this show becomes locked on college football on Monday. Lots and lots of things to get to. Gosh, I love it. All right, this question from Tyler. Again, YouTube comments, Twitter always available. Is it better to have a short-term TV deal than long-term deal? Mountain West has a six-year deal with Fox and CBS, while ACC has that contract with ESPN until 2036. It's actually 2027, and then they can decide to like continue it or whatnot. But it was indeed a long-term deal. But it has created problems in the conference, particularly with Florida State. Great, great question, Tyler. The answer is it depends on who you are. Because as a conference, if you have a deal, for a league that is really good, really competitive, and really solid, and and kind of realignment proof, as it were, then a long-term deal can be in your benefit. Because what you can help prevent in that long-term deal is what the ACC's long-term deal has prevented, and that is movement by your own teams to other conferences. If you are in the Big Ten or the SEC right now, There is an advantage to having, and it depends on how you define long or short term, but there is an advantage to having, you know, a seven to 10 year deal. On the other side, if you were to go to a conference and say, hey, we want to have like a four year deal here, a four year arrangement and see where things are, well, that could fit depending on the circumstances. So the answer to your question is it depends on which league you are. But the ACC has definitely shown us for two reasons that long term deals are not the best way to go as in it was like a 20 year deal or so 18 to 20 year deal when, or- when originally negotiated that is obviously not in their best interests because what what it gives them is stability that much is true But the two things that can go wrong is some teams can get frustrated, like Florida State. But the other thing is your league can actually be missing out on revenue, which the ACC probably is. So the ACC's deal, over the course of its entire length, from when it started to when it's set to expire, on average will pay roughly $36 million per school per year. If the ACC went to market right now with the teams that are currently in the conference – The consensus and and, and just kind of the logic is that it would get more than that because the trajectory of sports is going like this. For those listening on podcasts, my hand is taking off like a rocket ship. The viewership, the attention, the money, the the numbers, everything. Everything is going up. Attendance isn't necessarily going up, but guess what? the NFL doesn't care about attendance. You know what they care? That you tune in and watch it so advertisers get exposure for their products and that generates more money. That's how this whole revenue model works. So for a long-term deal, what you take yourself out of is the possibility that when you sign a deal, let's say it's for $35 million per school per year. In seven years, your schools might be worth 45 or 50 million a year. But if you're locked into a fixed price, this is the flaw. And again, at the time, it was treated as, wow, what a move for the ACC. They've got stability. They've got security. They've got financial relevant, all that sort of stuff. But the Big Ten and the SEC were sitting there working behind the scenes going, oh, no, 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 no. We're going to make some changes here. We're going to make some changes to our conference, increase our value. And when we need a new deal, we'll make the moves, and then we'll get even more money. So. A short-term deal that's too short, it's, it's the Goldilocks conundrum. Do you want this porridge here? That one's too cold. That's a deal that's too short. It doesn't give your conference enough assurance. It doesn't give your conference enough stability and schools could look to move at the end of the deal. Or before the deal even expires, knowing well we're not tied into it for very long. So you know what do we need to you know watch the way we talk to other conferences or anything like that. But if it's if it's Papa Bear's porridge over here and it's too hot, well then you've got the ACC problem, which is wait a minute we could be worth more. We're not getting enough. We need a better deal. And The ACC is saying sorry you signed on the dotted line, and I suspect that Florida State is going to lose that lawsuit. That is my guess. I, however, am not a lawyer. Fun fact, I did consider that career once upon a time. It was a very serious, legitimate career path for me. I decided to do this instead. I got to tell you, I don't think I could have liked being a lawyer as much as I enjoy doing this, but I'm going to let those people who are getting plenty of billable hours throughout this entire debacle, they are going to figure out what is right and what can be done, and I as someone who attempts to be a good upstanding citizen, I'm going to respect the ruling that comes out of the court system, just as I did with the PAC-2 settlement, where Oregon State and Washington State got a little bit more than an equal share. That's what everyone determined, legal system at work. So, I think somewhere right in the middle. I think what the Big Ten and the SEC did is very smart because they made those moves. They signed these contracts, which are, you know, anywhere from seven to ten years. I'd have to double check where where they're all at and everything. But they're going to expire like sometime shortly after 2030. Do you think college sports is going to be less valuable by then? I don't. I don't. I've seen nothing to indicate that sports as a whole are slowing down in their popularity and media value. They're not going anywhere. So great question. And for the Pac Two specifically, they would like to get just any deal. And and as for 2024, I've heard that they are exploring options. They've reached out to partners to try to sell their home football games because all the road games are taken care of. Remember, if they go to and play at the Mountain West, the Mountain West Media Deal triggers in, and it's, you know, either Fox or CBS will air the games. That's how it'll all work. So those games are good. But both teams have home games that they have to broadcast. They're responsible for. They've reached out to a couple of different partners have not found anything yet. Their focus has kind of been on the lawsuit and figuring that out. Now that they have, they can put more attention into and detail into figuring out where their games, their home games are going to be broadcast in 2024. So stay tuned for news on that front. Something I'll definitely continue covering on the show when we switch over to being locked on college football, but I think that for Oregon State, Washington State, they'll be able to figure something out. And as for what kind of deal they would want to look for, if they do what I have proposed, which is play as Pac-2 independents essentially for 2024 and 2025 and then build a new conference starting in 2026, that deal, you want that to expire right around the time the Big 12 and the ACC and the Big 10 and the SEC when those deals expire because you want to be on the market and available to try to get back into one of those leagues. That's where I'd go if I were the pack two. Quick question here. Friction Hitch asked about Army-Navy and adding them. That game individually has a lot of value. Mike Oresco, the commissioner of the American Conference, did a really, really smart thing. He added Navy to the conference. They've got Army in there. And so the Army-Navy game, which has its own week, you talk about americana personified how about the army navy football game every year fantastic uniform battle the honor the tradition the true bitterness of that rivalry it's excellent that is now an american conference game i do not suspect because when any of the military academies move or when they want to move or if they want to move the pentagon has to get involved the conference has to approve it. The teams have to approve, it, but then the Pentagon has to, you know, make sure that they they think that's okay and that that's a good move for them. I would be surprised if Army and Navy were on the move. I don't know that they'd make a ton of sense. Like, yes, that game individually has a lot of appeal, but outside of it, I, th- those are pretty low ceiling programs, and I don't think that 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 would be a move to make. I understand the appeal because it's got a standalone game for it and several million people watch, and that's all all, all good and fine. I think that game being the American Conference is fantastic, and I think those teams being in a conference like that is fantastic. I don't think they fit into the realignment landscape for the Pac-2 as they go forward. Did you know that I still have multiple mailbag questions to answer on today's show? Yeah, we're going to get to all of them. After we get to FanDuel, of course, the NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150, bucks whether you win or lose. How easy is that? The app is super easy to use with a great interface, and there are a bunch of different ways to bet, like live save game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab, and you can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, and so much more. Again, $5 bet. Not a $5 footlong, a $5 bet. You get 115 bonus bets whether you win or lose. Visit fanduelcom slash locked on. Make your first bet a layup. fanduelcom slash locked on. Fandle, official partner of the NFL. All right, four things to get to to wrap up today's show. Can we do it? Yes. Yes, of course we can do it. We can and we will. Like Dr. Strange told Thanos, I think you'll find our will equal to yours. I don't know if I'm Thanos because I'm by myself or if I'm Dr. Strange because I try to be the good guy, but. Let's get to it. This question from Bud. It seems the higher quality of quarterback play, particularly in the Pac-12, the best quarterback conference in America, by the way, this year, may have been impacted by the additional COVID year, the emergence of NIL, and the transfer portal. Your thoughts, and when will the additional COVID year no longer apply to players? Well, as for the latter part of your question there, Bud, when will they no longer apply to players that extra COVID year? There are guys that are still – Talia Tagovailoa is going for a sixth year of eligibility. He's going to have to apply for a waiver at the NCAA. I guess they give it to him because they hand those things out like candy on Halloween. I think that for the portal, it has had a profound impact. To not just find players but find experienced players. That COVID year, I, I don't know when it's going to run out. I know that you know there are no recruits that have been brought aboard – for the last three cycles that can get an extra year because of COVID, but there are still a couple of lingering players. They're starting to finally run out of eligibility, but I don't know who the last player is going to be. That That is, uh, every time you think it's done, it kind of seems like it gets second life on that front. But the first part of your question, I think, is the more interesting one, and that's Portal and NIL and the, effects it, the effect it has had on quarterbacks. We are seeing across college football every single year, big time programs and small time programs just cast aside guys who they recruited and could work to develop into starting caliber quarterbacks in favor of bringing in a transfer. Because why do the work if your neighbor's going to do it for you? If you're a farmer and you normally in a harvest season have to go out and water your own crops, but your, your your neighbor with an adjacent farm decides, hey, um, for reasons that I don't actually know are going to benefit you, I'm going to water your crops. Are you going to stop him or are you going to save money on water and then pick up the crops when they're ready and go sell them at the market? It's probably going to be the latter. Uh, I mean, everybody's crunching crunching budgets at some level in the world and so i think that that's just where college football is at if you have the opportunity to go get a transfer who has played for multiple years and can come in and produce at a certain level right away and you know what he can be if you're a coaching staff how do you not take that over an unknown commodity who has great potential I mean, in a world where boosters will pony up tens of millions of dollars to fire a coach if a season goes awry, in a world where other coaches and other staffs are going to be ready to compete year after year because they bring in guys who who got their development chops at another school, you can't afford to not do it if given the opportunity. Look at Ohio State. Ryan Day was adamant going into their bowl game. No, between Devin Brown or Lincoln Keenholes or Dylan Rayola coming in, you know we feel good about our young guys. We're not bringing in a transfer, yeah. And then Will Howard at Kansas State decided he was uh, he was open to go to Ohio State, and suddenly he's making statements about, ah, uh, yeah, you know, first thing we got to do on the way to win a national championship is beat that school up north, which just won a national championship of their own. It happens that quickly. There's an old advertising campaign: "Life comes at you fast." I don't remember who it was for, but that was the tagline. And that's where we're at in the world of Portal and NIL. And I think NIL is important too. I think in the Pac-12, Michael Penix and Bo Nix would not have come back in college football five years ago, even if they had another year of eligibility. I think they go pro. But now the valuation, as Matt Rule so eloquently laid out for a good college quarterback, particularly one in the Portal, is between $1 to $2 million a year in NIL. And guess what? The schools that have it are going to pay it, and the schools that don't have it aren't going to get those top-tier guys. That's the world. You don't have to like it. I I understand if it bugs you or bothers you, there's too much change, but that's the world we're in. I think it does have positive effects. I think there are drawbacks. I I think there are serious drawbacks. It can be a nightmare for coaches. It can be frustrating for fans. I totally, totally get that. I think the component that can't be overlooked is you have guys that will stay in college and, and put a higher quality product on the field. If Oregon had gone with Ty Thompson this year or if Washington had had to go with Dylan Morris or bring in another transfer, do you think that they would have been able to find one Heisman finalist each? I got my doubts. And so that that that's where the fan benefits is the quality of play you get to watch, the players that you, you get to see. Are going to stick around for longer because they can make money now. So, still more. This question from Big Rig U asking if I'm concerned about the Pac 12 rebuild targets struggling in bowl games, specifically UNLV and Boise State. Answer no, not at all. Not at all. Boise State had a lead against UCLA, ended up losing the game by two scores. UNLV played. Forgot who UNLV played in their bowl game. Let me look at it real quick. They did not put up a strong performance. They played Kansas. They lost forty-nine to thirty-six. Not like they got routed. Kansas is a good Big Twelve team. I I have never looked at those realignment targets and those universities and those football programs and said, "Well, if you build this league, it'd be as good as the Big Twelve or be as good as the ACC." My contention has always been it would be the premier Group of Five conference in America. So yes. You'd like to see them win those sorts of games, but they're also capable of doing it. I mean, UCLA won the LA Bowl this year. The Mountain West won it the last two years. Utah State beat Oregon State in 2021, and Fresno State beat Washington State a season ago. So it's not like I haven't seen those programs compete with Power 5 schools. Not the highest level, perhaps, at least not super recently, though San Diego State in 2021 beat the eventual Pac-12 champion Utah Utes, lest we forget. So I think that, you know, my evaluation of programs and schools and who the top targets should be in the good candidates and programs that, you know, have shown an ability and propensity to win and everything like that, individual outcomes in this year's bowl season in no way shake my confidence in those, in those teams. Okay, last thing here, Oregon State picked up a couple of transfers in the last couple of days who were noteworthy. So Trent Bray. At one point in time, didn't have the best-looking recruiting class. It was in the hundreds or so, but the portal additions have just kind of continued to add up, and Trent Bray and Corvallis has done a good job. He has done a good job. He's been dealt a really tough hand, but he's bringing in guys that are going to make an impact next year. So one of them is a name Oregon State fans will know very, very well. By the name of Jam Griffin, a running back who went to Ole Miss last year and ran the ball seven times for 39 yards the entire season, decided this is not the spot for me. And I would like to come home, please, and thank you. And Trent Bray said, welcome back to Corvallis. Happy to have you. So Oregon State's running back room for a team that loves to run the football, and I suspect they will once again, even with Ryan Gunnerson as their OC, He was the quarterback's coach at UCLA. You know what Chip Kelly always likes to do? Run the football. Run the football. We don't know how to look, but they're going to run the ball. That is going to be foundational to their identity. I don't know a single defensive coach that doesn't like to run the football. And we have Damian Martinez and Jam Griffin. Oh, and Anthony Hankerson came in from Colorado. If those are your three running backs, with the schedule they're going to play, give me the team that's got a better trio. I I mean, Cal's going to have a good uh, couple of running backs next year if Isaiah Fonse has got another year along with Jay Knott, who was first-team All-Pac 12, but that is a good, a really, really good, that is a plus lineup of running backs for the Beats. The other addition, Kobe Singleton comes over from Liberty had just an okay season according to pff this is why i always say though stats and numbers are starting point not an end point this is a guy who had 12 pass deflections and four interceptions this past season for the flames who went 13 and 0 they were the conference usa champions i also got to give kobe a shout out because i have come across him in person once upon a time he was once a player for the Southern Utah University football team, who some of you may or may not not know, I'm the radio and TV voice for. And I've been a broadcaster for him for the last few seasons. And I remember Singleton a couple of years ago. And I kept thinking the same thing when he was on the field. That guy doesn't belong. Not in the sense that he's not good, or that he's not a good kid or good player. No, 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 no. He didn't belong in the sense that he was too good to be on the field in which he was playing. That was proved by the fact that he went to Liberty. He had a good year in an even better conference playing FBS football. And now he goes to the Beavs, who have suffered some losses all over the roster. And they're starting to fill in those pieces. And Singleton will be a plug-and-play starter for the Beavs next year. Plenty more to get to this week. Looking forward to it. I appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
1: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.